Hello ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Drunken Story po- Tellers podcast. It's It's been a while, shall we say. Um, as, as many of you know, I've just moved country, and all manner of weird stuff has been going on. Like, I passed my Viva for my PhD, so I'm now a doctor of astrophysics, and I'm now currently living in a small little village outside of Heidelberg in Germany, where it is... A little bit warm, shall we say. So uh, you might be able to hear the fan in the background every now and then. I'm going to try and get rid of it if I can. But along with the move, I've also had to leave some some recording equipment back in the UK. It is not currently here with me. So I don't actually have like a pop mic or a mic stand or anything like that. So I apologise if the recording quality is a little bit iffy uh, from now. Um, I'm going to hopefully kind of restock on things and set everything up again so it sounds a little bit better but for the moment you're just gonna have to deal with it so uh this episode is probably gonna be quite long as uh you've missed my voice it's been i think nearly two months since i did an episode so i i feel like you've you've probably all missed me droning on down in your ear holes so we're also at episode 40 and as we know I am doing every 10 episodes, I'm doing one of the branches of the Mabinogion. Yay, the Mabby. And now, this is the fourth um, branch of the Mabby, and it is one of the longest branches, if not the longest branch, I can't remember. So you might have to break this up into a couple of listens. I'm, I'm expecting this one to go on for a while. Um, I apologise. Which means I'm just gonna I'm gonna read the story again, reading the Lady Charlotte Grey version from sacred-text.com because it's public domain. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, me butchering Welsh accents as always, Welsh words and things and pronunciations. I apologise to any people who speak Welsh out there about that one, as always. So yeah, I'm just gonna read this story. This is just to get me back into the swing of getting these episodes out. I'm going to try and do one on Heidelberg and some of the stories around here, but there's not a lot. I might just do a history lesson on Heidelberg instead because there's some interesting history here and some unfortunate, not very nice, modern history, shall we say. Anyway, this this, this might be a while to record because it's friggin' warm here. Um, I know in England at the moment it's quite warm, but yeah, yeah, it's it's hot here as well, so stop complaining. Get used to it. So, on with the show. This is the fourth branch of the Mabinogion, where we see Math, the son of Mathawin. Math, the son of Mathawin, was lord over Gwynedd, and Prideri, the son of Pyrrhal, was lord over the one and twenty cantrefs of the south. And these were the seven cantrefs of Divid and the seven cantrefs of Morgank. The four cantrips of Cardigan and the three of Istrid Tui. And that time, Math, the son of Mathawin, could not exist unless his feet were in the lap of a maiden, except only when he was prevented by the tumult of war. Now the maiden who was with him was Gorin, the son of Pebin of Dol Pebin, in Arvon, and she was the fairest maiden of her time who was known there. And Math dwelt always at Caer Dathil, in Arvon, and was not able to go the circuit of the land. But Gilvaithwi, the son of Don, and Aenid, the son of Don, his nephews, the sons of his sisters, with his household, 
went the circuit of the land in his stead. Now the maiden was with Math continually, and Gilvaithri, the son of Don, set his affections upon her, and loved her so that he knew not what he should do because of her, and therefrom behold his shoe, and his aspect, and his spirits changed for love of her, so that it was not easy to know him. One day his brother, Gwydion, gazed steadfastly upon him. Youth, said he, what aileth thee? Why, replied he, what seest thou in me? I see, said he, that thou hast lost thy aspect and thy hue. What therefore aileth thee? My lord brother, he answered, that which aileth me, it will not profit me that I should own to any. What may it be, my soul? said he. Thou knowest, he said, that Math, the son of Mathomy, has this property, that if men whisper together in a tone, how low soever, if we wind meet it, it becomes known unto him. Yes, said Gwydion, hold now thy peace, I know thy intent, thou lovest Gorin. When he had found that his brother knew his intent, he gave the heaviest sigh in the world. Be silent, my soul, and sigh not, he said. It is not thereby that thou wilt succeed. I will cause, said he, if it cannot be otherwise, the rising of Gwynedd and Paris and de Hebroath to seek the maiden. Be thou of glad cheer, therefore I will compass it. So they went unto Math, the son of Mathen, Lord, said Gwydion, I have heard that there have come to the south some beasts, such as were never known in the island before. What are they called? he asked. Pigs, Lord. And what kind of animals are they? They are small animals, and their flesh is better than the flesh of oxen. They are small, then. And they change their names. Swine are they now called. Who owneth them? Prideri, the son of Pyrrhal. They were sent to him from Anhwin, by Arwen, the king of Anhwin. And still they keep that name, half dog, half pig. Verily, asked he, and by what means may they be obtained from him? I will go, lord, as one of twelve in the guise of bards to seek the swine. But it may be that he will refuse you said he. My journey will not be evil, lord, said he. I will not come back without the swine. Gladly, said he, go thou forward. So he and Gilvathui went, and ten other men with him, and they came to Kerrigorn, to the place that is now called Rudland Tavy, where the palace of Prideri was. In the guise of bars they came in, and they were received joyfully, and Gwydion was placed beside Prideri that night. Of a truth, said Prideri, gladly would I have a tale from some of your men yonder. Lord, said Gwydion, we have a custom that the first night that we come to the court of a great man, the chief of song recites. Gladly will I tell a tale. Now Gwydion was the best teller of tales in the world, and he diverted all the court that night with a pleasant discourse with the tales. The, so that he charmed every one in the court, and it pleased Prideri to talk with him. Lord, said he unto Prideri, were it more pleasing to thee that another should discharge my errand unto thee, 
than that I should tell thee myself what it is. No, he answered, ample speech hast thou. Behold then, Lord, said he, my errand. It is to crave from thee the animals that were sent thee from Anfwyn. Verily, he replied, that were the easiest thing in the world to grant, were there not a covenant between me and my land concerning them. And the covenant is that they shall not go from me until they have produced double their number in the land. Lord, said he, I can set thee free from those words, and this is the way I can do so. Give me not the swine tonight, neither refuse them unto me, and tomorrow I will show thee in exchange for them. And that night he and his fellows went unto their lodging, and they took counsel. Ah, my men, said he, we shall not have the swine for the asking. Well, said they, how may they be obtained? I will cause them to be obtained, said Gwydion. I imagine them all kind of sat around a table at night, really dark, a small candle, hoods up, plotting, plotting to capture these pigs. Proper gangster style, Welsh gangster style. Then he betook himself to his arts and began to work a charm, and he caused twelve charges to appear, and twelve black greyhounds, each of them white-breasted and having upon them twelve collars and twelve leashes, such as no one that saw them could know to be other than gold, and upon the horses twelve saddles, and each and every part should have been of iron, was entirely of gold. And the bridles were of the same workmanship, and with the horses and the dogs he came to Prideri. So he can make horses and dogs and, and gold, but has to do weird things like this to get pigs. Fair enough. It's all about pigs. Anyway. Good day unto thee, Lord, said he. Heaven prosper thee, said the other, and greetings be unto thee. Lord, said he. Behold, here is the release for thee from the word which thou speakest last evening concerning the swine, that thou wouldst never give nor sell them. Thou mayest exchange them for that which is better. And I will give these twelve horses, all caparisoned as they are, with their saddles and their bridles, and these twelve greyhounds with their collars and their leashes as thou seest, and the twelve gilded shields that thou beholdest yonder. Now these he had formed of fungus. Well, said he, we will take counsel. And they counselled together, and determined to give the swine to Gwydion, and to take his horses and his dogs and his shields. He made gold shields out of fungus, so what the hell is the, horse, the horses and the dogs made out of? Mm, mm. Let's carry on to find out, shall we? Then... Gwydion and his men took their leave, and began the journey forth with the pigs. Ah, my comrades, said Gwydion, it is needful that we journey with speed. The illusion will not last but from the one hour to the same tomorrow. And that night they journeyed as far as the upper part of Kerygdion, to the place which, from that cause, is called Mokdruf Still. I apologise about the pronunciation of Kerrigdorn or Cardigan or whatever it's called. I'm unsure how to say it. It's spelled C-E-R-E-D-I-G-I-A-W-N. So, take what you will out of it. Um, I'm not the best at languages. Anyway, 
And the next day they took their course through Melanid, and came that night to the town which is likewise for that reason called Mokdrev, between Kerry and Aristili. And there they journeyed, and thence they journeyed forward, and that night they came as far as the comet in Paris, which also, upon account thereof, is called Moknat, and there tarried they that night. And they journeyed thence to the Cantrev of Ross, and the place where they were that night is called Mokdrev. My men, said Gwydion, we must push forward to the fastnesses of Gwynedd with these animals, for there is a gathering of hosts in pursuit of us. So they journeyed on to the highest town of Arlequid, and there they made a sty for the swine. And therefore was the name of Corin... Again, a word which is really hard to pronounce. Quirion. Quirion. C-R-E-U-W-Y-R-Y-O-N. Given to that town. And after that they had made the sty for the swine. They proceeded to Math, the son of Mathonwin, at Caer Dathil. And when they came there, the country was rising. What news is there here? said Asquidian. Prideri is assembling one and twenty cantrevs to pursue after you, answered they. It is marvellous that you should have journeyed so slowly. Where are the animals whereof you went in quest? said Math. They have had, they have had a sty made for them in the other cantrev below, said Gwydion. Thereupon, lo, they had heard the trumpets and the hosts in the land, and they arrayed themselves and set forward and came to Penard in Arvon. And at night, Gwydion, the son of Don, and Gilvathwi, his brother, returned to Cairdathil, and Gilvathwi took Math, the son of Mathanwi's cow. And while he turned out the other damsels from the room discourteously, he made Gorwin unwillingly remain. And when they saw the day on the morrow, they went back unto the place where Math, the son of Mathonwi, was with his host. And when they came there, the warriors were taking counsel, in what district they should await the coming of Prideri, and the men of the south. So they went into the council, and it was resolved to wait in the strongholds of Gwynedd in Arvon. So within the two Maenors they took their stand, Maenor Penard and Maenor Coedalun, and there Prideri attacked them. And there the combat took place, and the great and great was the slaughter on both sides. But the men of the south were forced to flee, and they fled unto the place which is still called Nanktkol, and thither did they follow them, and they made a vast slaughter of them there, so that they fled again as far as the place called Dolpen Main, and there they halted and sought to make peace. And that he might have peace, Prideri gave hostages. Gwigi Gwastra gave he and three and twenty others, sons of nobles, and after this they journeyed in peace unto the Traithmoir. But as they went on together towards Melanirid, the men on foot could not be restrained from shooting. Prideri dispatched unto Math an embassy to pray him to forbid his people, and to leave it between him and Gwydion and the son of Don, for that he had caused all this. And the messengers came to Math. Of a truth, said Math. I call heaven to witness, if it be pleasing unto Gwydion the son of Don, I will so leave it gladly, never will I compel any one, never will I compel any to go to fight, but that we ourselves should do our utmost. Verily, said the messengers, Pruderi saith that it were more fair that the man who did him this wrong should oppose his own body to his, and let his people remain unscathed. 
I declare to heaven, I will not ask the men of Gwynedd to fight because of me. If I am allowed to fight Pryderi myself, gladly will I oppose my body to his. And this answer they took back to Pryderi. Truly, said Pryderi, I shall require no one to demand my rights but myself. Then these two came forth and armed themselves, and they fought. And by force of strength and fierceness, and by the magic and charms of Gwydion, Pryderi was slain. And at Maine, Tyrioch above Melonrid, was he buried, and there is his grave. And the men of the south set forth in sorrow towards their lands. Nor is it a marvel that they should grieve, seeing that they had lost their lord, and many of their best warriors, and for the most part their horses and their arms. The men of Gwynedd went back joyful and in triumph. Lord, said Gwydion unto Math, would it not be right for us to release the hostages of these men of the south, which they pledged unto us for peace? For we ought not to put them in prison. Let them be set free, saith Matt, so that youth and the other hostages that were with him were set free to follow the men of the south. Ain't that nice? Butcher half of them, take them hostages, kill the lord, set them free. War is war in these days, isn't it? Bit kind of does all that, really. Anyway. Math himself went forward to Cairdathil, Gilvathwe, the son of Don, and they of the household that were with him went to make the circuit of Gwynedd, as they were wont, without coming to the court. Math went into his chamber and caused a place to be prepared for him whereupon to recline, so that he might put his feet in the maiden's lap. Lord, said Gerwin, seek now another to hold thy feet, for now I am a wife. What meaneth this? said he. An attack, Lord, was made unawares upon me, but I held not my peace, and there was no one in the court who knew of it, who knew not of it. Now the attack was made by thy nephews, Lord, the sons of thy sister, Gwydion, the son of Don, and Gilvathwe, the son of Don. Unto me they did wrong, and unto thee dishonour. Verily, he exclaimed, I will do to the utmost of my power concerning this matter, but first I will cause thee to have compensation, and then will I have amends made upon myself. As for thee, I will take thee to be my wife, and the possession of my dominions will I give unto thy hands. And Gwydion and Gilvathwi came not near the court, but stayed in the confines of the land until it was forbidden to give them meat and drink. First they came not near unto Math, but at the last they came. Lord, said they, good day to thee. Well, said he, is it to make me compensation that ye are come? Lord, said they, we are at thy will. By my will I would not have lost my warriors, and so many arms as I have done. You cannot compensate me my shame, setting aside the death of Pryderi, but since ye come hither to me at my will, I shall begin your punishment forthwith. Then he took his magic wand and struck Gilvathwe, so that he became a deer, and he seized upon the other hastily, lest he should escape from him. And he struck him with the same magic wand, and he became a deer also. Since ye are now in bonds, 
I will that ye go forth together and be companions, and possess the nature of the animals whose form ye bear. And this day twelve month come hither unto me. Hee hee hee. Ah dear. If you know what's coming, it's all good fun. They get what they deserve. Anyway. At the end of the year from that day, lo, there was a loud noise under the chamber wall, and the barking of the dogs of the palace together with the noise. Look, said he, what is without? Lord, said one, I have looked. There are two deer and a fawn with them. Then he arose and went out, and when he came he beheld the three animals, and he lifted up his wand. As ye were dear last year, be ye wild hogs each and either of you, for the year that is to come. And thereupon he struck them with the magic wand. The young one will I take and cause to be baptised. Now the name that he gives him was Hidwin. Go ye and be wild swine, each and either of you, and be ye of the nature of wild swine. And this day, twelfth month, be ye here under the wall. Well, use your imagination on that one. I'm sure you can work out where that fawn came from. At the end of the year, the barking of the dogs was heard under the wall of the chamber, and the court assembled. And thereupon he arose and went forth. And when he came forth, he beheld three beasts. Now these were the beasts that he saw, two wild hogs of the woods, and a well-grown young one with them and he was very large for his age. Truly, said Math, this one will I take and cause to be baptised. And he struck him with his magic wand, and he became a fine, fair, auburn-haired youth. And the name that he gave him was Hickdorn. Now, as for you, as ye were wild hogs last year, be ye wolves, each or and either of you, for the year that is to come. Thereupon he struck them with his magic wand, and they became wolves. And be ye of like nature with the animals whose semblance ye bear, and return here this day twelve month beneath this wall. And at the same day, at the end of the year, he heard the clamour and a barking of dogs under the wall of the chamber, and he rose and went forth, and he came. Behold, he saw two wolves, and a strong cub with them. This one will I take, said Math, and I will cause him to be baptised. There is a name prepared for him, and that is Bladewin. Now these three, such as such are they, the three sons of Gawathwe the False, the three faithful combatants, Bladewin, Hidwon, and Hid Hikdwan the Tall. Then he struck the two with his magic wand, and they resumed their own nature. O men, said he, for the wrong that ye did unto me sufficient has been your punishment and your dishonour. Prepare now precious ointment for these men, and wash their heads and equip them. And this was done. So, for setting up basically the mass murder of a lot of South Wales people in Pryderi who we met a couple of episodes, a couple of branches ago, he was actually quite a cool dude. Um, these two got turned into deers, boars, well, hogs, and wolves. Made a bit of whoopee, had some children, and the children got stolen from them. Um, and are now with math. That is about me punish punishment. 
for 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 murder and and possible rape um, and stealing stealing a woman. Yeah, fair dues. And after they were equipped, they came unto him. O men, said he, you have obtained peace, and you shall likewise have friendship. Give your counsel unto me, what maiden I shall seek. Lord, said Gwydion, the son of Don, it is easy to give thee counsel. Seek Arianrod, the daughter of Don, thy niece, thy sister's daughter. And they brought her unto him, and the maiden came in. Ha! Damsel, said he, art thou the maiden? I know not, lord, other than that I am. Then he took up his magic wand and bent it. Step over this, said he, and I shall know if thou art the maiden. Then stepped over then stepped she over the magic wand, and there appeared forthwith a fine chubby white haired boy, and at the crying out of the boy she went towards the door, and thereupon some small form was seen. But before any one could get a second glimpse of it, Gwydion had taken it, and had flung a scarf of velvet around it and hidden it. Now the place where he had hid it was the bottom of the chest at the foot of the bed. Verily, said Math, the son of Mathonwi, concerning the fine yellow-haired boy, I will cause this one to be baptised, and Dylan is the name I will give him. So they had the boy baptised, and as they baptised him, he plunged into the sea, and immediately when he was in the sea, he took its nature, and swam as well as the best fish that was therein. And for that reason was he called Dylan, the son of the wave, Beneath him no wave ever broke, and the blow whereby he came to his death was struck by his uncle, Govanon, the third fatal blow, was it called. As Gwydion lay one morning on his bed awake, he heard a cry in the chest at his feet, and though it was not loud, it was such that he could hear it. Then he arose in haste and opened the chest, and when he opened it and beheld the infant boy stretching out his arms from the folds of the scarf and casting it aside. As he took up the boy in his arms and carried him to the place where he knew there was a woman that could nurse him. And he agreed with that woman that she should take charge of the boy, and that year he was nursed. And at the end of the year he seemed by his size as though he were two years old. And the second year he was a big child, and able to go to the court by himself. And when he came to the court, Gwydion noticed him, and the, and the boy became familiar with him, and loved him better than anyone else. There was the boy, then the boy was reared at the court until he was four years old, when he was as big as though he had been eight. And one day Gwydion walked forth, and the boy followed him, and he went to the castle Arianrod, having the boy with him. And when he came to the court, Arianrod arose to meet him, and greeted him, and bade him welcome. Heaven prosper thee, said he. Who is the boy that followeth thee? she asked. This youth, he is thy son, he answered. Alas, said she, what has come unto thee that thou shouldest shame me thus? Wherefore dost thou seek my dishonour, and retain it so long as this? Unless thou suffer dishonour greater than that of bringing up such a boy as this, small will be thy disgrace. What is the name of this boy? said she. Verily, he replied, he has not yet a name. 
Well, she said, I lay this destiny upon him, that he shall never have a name until he receives one from me. Heaven bear witness, answered he, that thou art a wicked woman, but the boy shall have a name, how displeasing soever it may be unto thee. As for thee, that which afflicts thee is that thou art no longer called a damsel. And thereupon he went forth in wrath, and returned to Cardathil, and there he tarried the night. And the next day he arose, and took the boy with him, and went to walk on the seashore between that place and Abermene. And there he saw some sedges and seaweed, and he turned them into a boat. And out of dry sticks and sedges he made some cordovan leather, and a great deal thereof. And he coloured it in such a manner that no one ever saw leather more beautiful than it. Then he made a sail to the boat, and he and the boy went in it to the port of the castle of Arianod. And then he began forming shoes and stitching them, until he was observed from the castle. And when he knew that they of the castle were observing him, he disguised his aspect, and put another semblance upon himself and upon the boy, so that they might not be known. What men are those in yonder boat? said Arianrod. They are Cordwainers, answered they. Go and see what kind of leather they have, and what kind of work they can do. So they came unto them, and when they came he was colouring some cordovan leather and gilding it, and the messengers came and told her this. Well, said she, take the measure of my foot and desire the cordwainer to make shoes for me. So he made the shoes for her, yet not according to the measure, but larger. The shoes then were brought unto her, and behold, they were too large. These are too large, she said. But he shall receive their value. Let him also make some that are smaller than they. Then he made her others that were much smaller than her foot, and sent them unto her. Tell him that these will not go on my feet, said she. And they told him this. Verily, he said, I will not make her any shoes unless I see her foot. And this was told unto her. Truly, she answered, I will go unto him because this seems like a really wise idea. The bloke can't seem to make shoes properly, so she's going to go and see him to get the shoes made properly. Uh, people do weird things in these stories, don't they? To be fair, I could do with a new pair of shoes. Maybe I can get him to make me some. Anyway, so she went down to the boat. When she came there, he was shaping shoes and the boy stitching them. Ah, lady, said he, good day to thee. Heaven prosper thee, said she. I marvel that thou canst manage to make shoes according to a measure. I could not, he replied, but now I shall be able. Thereupon, behold, a wren stood upon the deck of the boat, and the boy shot at it and hit it in the leg between the sinew and the bone. Then she smiled. Verily, said she, with a steady hand did the lion aim at it. Heaven reward thee not. But now has he got a name, and a good enough name it is, Lulu Gifus, be he called henceforth. Then the work disappeared in seaweed and sedges, and he went on with it no further, and for that reason was he called the third gold shoemaker. Of a truth, said she, thou wilt not thrive the better for doing evil unto me. I have done thee no evil yet, 
said he. Then he stored the boy of his own form. Well, said she, I will lay a destiny upon the boy that he shall never have arms and armour until I invest him with them. By heaven, said he, let thy malice be what it may, he shall have arms. Then he went towards Dinas Dinlev, and there he brought up Luflof Gipeth, until he could manage any horse, and he was perfect in features, and strength, and stature. And then Gwydion saw that he languished through the want of horses and arms, and he called him unto him. Ah, youth, said he, we will go tomorrow on an errand together. Be therefore more cheerful than thou art. That I will, said the youth. Next morning at the dawn of day they arose, and they took way along the sea coast up towards Bryn Arryn, and at the top of Cvenclidno they equipped themselves with horses and went towards the castle of Arinon. And there, and they changed their form and pricked towards the gate in the semblance of two youths, but the aspect of Gwydion was more staid than that of the other. Porter, said he, go thou in and say that there are here bards from Glamorgan. And the porter went in. The welcome of heaven be unto them. Let them in, said Aaron with great joy they were greeted, and the hall was arranged, and they went to meet. When meet was ended, Arnerod discoursed with Gwydion of tales and stories. Now Gwydion was an excellent teller of tales, and when it was time to leave off feasting, a chamber was prepared for them, and they went to rest. In the early twilight Gwydion rose, and he called unto him his magic and his power, and by the time that the day dawned there resounded through the land uproar and trumpets and shouts. When it was now day, they heard a knocking at the door of the chamber, and therewith Aaron asking that it might be opened. Up rose the youth, and opened unto her, and she entered, and a maiden with her. Ah, good men, said she said, an evil plight are we. Yes, truly, said Gwydion, we have heard trumpets and shouts. What thinkest thou that they may mean? Verily, said she, we cannot see the colour of the ocean by reason of all the ships side by side, and they are making for the land with all the speed they can. And what can we do? said she. Lady, said Gwydion, there is none other counsel than to close the castle upon us and defend it as best we may. Truly, said she, may heaven reward you, and do you defend it? And here may you have plenty of arms. And thereupon went she forth for the arms, and behold, she returned, and two maidens and suits of armours for two men with her. Lady, said he, do you accoutre this stripling, and I will arm thyself with the help of thy maidens? Lo, I hear the tumult of men approaching. I will do so gladly. So she armed him fully, and that right cheerfully. Hast thou finished arming the youth? said he. I have finished, she answered. I likewise have finished, said Gwydion. Let us now take off our arms. We have no need of them. Wherefore, said she, here is the army around the house. O oh, lady, there is here no army. Oh, cried she, whence then was this tumult? The tumult was but to break thy prophecy and to obtain arms for thy son, and now he has got arms without any thanks unto thee. By heaven, said Arinod, thou art a wicked man. 
Many a youth might have lost his life through the uproar that thou hast caused in this canter of today. Now will I lay a destiny upon this youth, said she, that he shall never have a wife of the race that now inhabits this earth. Verily, said he, thou wast ever a malicious woman, and no one ought to support thee. A wife shall he have, notwithstanding. So, you'd think she'd learn eventually that if she's going to tell people that they can't, that she doesn't want to give them anything and they can't have anything, that when people come asking for those things uh, and she gives them, that it might be the people she doesn't want to have them. Obviously not. Anyway, let's see how he gets a wife, shall we? They went thereupon unto Math, the son of Mathonwi, and complained unto him most bitterly of Anrod. Gwydion showed him also how he had procured arms for the youth. Well, said Math, we will seek, I and thou, by charms and illusions, to form a wife for him out of flowers. He has now come to a man's stature, and he is the comeliest youth that was ever beheld. So they took the blossoms of the oak, and the blossoms of the broom, and the blossoms of the meadow sweet, and produced from them a maiden, the fairest and most gracious that man ever saw. And they baptized her, and gave her the name of Blodwyd. After she had become his bride, and they had feasted, said Gwydion, it is not easy for a man to maintain himself without possessions. Of a truth, said Math, I will give the young man the best cantrev to behold. Lord, said he, what cantrev is that? The cantrev of Dinodig, he answered. Now it is called this day Evionid and Arduid, and the place in the cantrev where he dwelt was a place of his in a spot called Castel, on the confines of the Arduid. There, he, there dwelt he and reigned, and both he and his sway were beloved by all. One day he went forth to Cerdathil to visit Math, the son of Mathonwi, and on the day he set out for Cerdathil, Blodhwed walked in the court, and she heard the sound of a horn, and after the sound of the horn beheld a tired stag went by, with dogs and huntsmen following it. And after the dogs and the huntsmen there came a crowd of men on foot, Send a youth, said she, to ask who yonder host may be. So, a youth went and inquired who they were. Grown Pedir is this, the lord of Enlin, said they, and thus the youth told her. Gronu Pedir pursued the stag, and by the river Kinvel he overtook the stag and killed it. And what with the flaying the stag and the baiting his dogs, he was there until the night began to close upon him. And as the day departed and the night drew near, he came to the gale of the court, the gate of the court. Verily, said Bluidwade, the chieftain will speak ill as a, of us if we let him in at this hour, depart to another land without inviting him in. Yes, truly, lady, said they, it will be most fitting to invite him. Then went messengers to meet him and bid him in, and he accepted her bidding gladly, and came to the court, and Bluidwade went to meet him, and greeted him, and bade him welcome. Lady, said she, heaven repay thy kindness. When they had disaccorded themselves, they went to sit down, and Bluedwed looked upon him, and from the moment that she looked on him, she became filled with his love. And he gazed on her, and the same thought came unto him as unto her, so that he could not conceal from her that he loved her, but he declared unto her that he did so. Thereupon she was very joyful, 
and all their discourse that night was concerning their affection and love, which they felt one for the other. And all their discourse that night was concerning the affection and love, which they felt one for the other, and which in no longer space that one evening had arisen, and that evening passed they in each other's company. The next day he sought to depart, but she said, I pray thee, go not from me to-day. And that night he tarried also, and that night they consulted by what means they might always be together. There is none other counsel, said he, but that thou strive to learn from Rufloch Grithus in what manner he will meet his death, and this thou to do under the semblance of solicitude concerning him. The next day Gronwy sought to depart. Verily, said she, I will counsel thee not to go from me to-day. At thy instance will I not go, said he, albeit, I must say, there is danger that the chief who owns the palace may return home. Tomorrow, answered she, will I indeed permit thee to go forth. The next day he sought to go, and she hindered him not. Be mindful, said Guanri, of what I have said unto thee and converse with him fully, and that under the guise of the dalliance of love, and find out by what means he may come to his death. That night Luflof Griffiths returned to his home, and the day they spent in discourse and minstrelly and feasting, and at night they went to rest, and he spoke to Blutwit once, and he spoke to her a second time, but for all this he could not get from her one word. What aileth thee? said he. Art thou well? I was thinking, said she, of that which thou didst never think of concerning me, for I was sorrowful as to thy death, lest thou should go sooner than I. Heaven reward thy care for me, said he, but until heaven take me I shall not easily be slain. For the sake of heaven, and for mine, show me how thou mightest be slain. My memory in guarding is better than thine. I will tell thee gladly, said he. Not easily can I be slain, except by a wound, and the spear wherewith I am struck must be a year in the forming, and nothing must be done towards it except during the sacrifice on Sundays. Is this chieftain? asked she. Is this certain? asked she. It is in truth, he answered, and I cannot be slain within a house, nor without. I cannot be slain on horseback, nor on foot. Verily, said she, in what manner can thou be slain? I will tell thee, said he, by making a bath for me by the side of a river, and by putting a roof over the cauldron, and thatching it well and tightly, and bringing a buck, and putting it beside the cauldron. Then, if I place one foot on the buck's back, and the other on the edge of the cauldron, whoever so strikes me thus will cause my death. Well said she. I thank heaven that it will be easy to avoid this. No shit, that's very specific. That is a very specific death that you have just laid out in minute excruciating detail to somebody. Yeah. Guess what's going to happen? Explain an, a, a death in excruciating detail to somebody who appears to love you? Uh, someone didn't read the classics, did they? No sooner had she held this discourse than she sent to Gronir Pedri, and Gronir toiled at the making of the spear, and that day twelve months it was ready, and that very day he caused her to be informed thereof. Lord, said Bluedwed unto Luf, 
I have been thinking how it is possible that what thou didst tell me formerly can be true. Wilt thou show me in what manner thou couldst stand at once upon the edge of a cauldron and upon a buck, if I prepare a bath for thee? I will show thee, said he. He's really not very intelligent, is he, this boy? Then she sent unto Gronwy, and bade him be in ambush on the hill that is now called Bryn Kvergir, on the bank of the river Kinvale. She caused also to be collected all the goats that were in the cantrip, and had them brought to the other side of the river, opposite Bryn Kvergir. And the next day she spoke thus. Lord, said she, I have caused the roof and the bath to be prepared, and lo, they are ready. Well, said Luf, we will go gladly to look at them. He really is just not getting it, is he? The day after they came and looked at the bath. Wilt thou go into the bath, Lord? said she. Willingly will I go in, he answered. So into the bath he went, and he anointed himself. Lord, said she, behold the animals which thou didst speak of as being called bucks. Well, said he, cause one of them to be caught and brought here. And the buck was brought. Then Luf rose out of the bath and put on his trousers, and he placed one foot on the edge of the bath and the other on the buck's back. Thereupon Gondry rose up from the hill which is called Bryn Kvergir, and he rested on one knee and flung the poison dart which struck him on the side, so that the shaft started out, but the head of the dart remained in. Then he flew up in the form of an eagle and gave a fearful scream, and thenceforth was he no more seen. As soon as he departed, Gwanwyr and Bloodwet went together unto the place that night, and the next day Gwanwyr arose and took possession of Arduid, and after he had overcome this land, he ruled over it so that Arduid and Penil were both under his sway. Then these tidings reached Math, the son of Mathanwy, and heaviness and grief came upon Math, and much more upon Gwydion upon him. Lord, said Gwydion, I shall never rest until I have tidings of my nephew. Verily, said Math, may heaven be thy strength. Then Gwydion set forth and began to go forward, and he went through Gwynedd and Paris to the confines. And when he had done so, he went to Arvon and came to the house of a vassal in Manir Pen Penard. And he alighted at the house, and he stayed there that night. The man of the house and his household came in, and last of all came there the swineherd. Said the man of the house to the swineherd, Well, youth, hath thy sow come in tonight? She hath, said he, and is this instant returned to the pigs. Where doth this sow go to? said Gwydion. Every day when the sty is open, she goes forth, and none can catch sight of her. Neither is it known whether she goeth more than if she sank into the earth. Will thou grant unto me, said Gwydion, not to open thy sty until I am beside the sty with thee? This I will do right gladly, he answered. That night they went to rest, and as soon as the swineherd saw the light of the day, he awoke Gwydion, and Gwydion arose and dressed himself, and went with the swineherd, and stood beside the sty. Then the swineherd opened the sty, and as soon as he opened it, beheld she leapt forth and set off with great speed. And Gwydion followed her, and she went against the course of the river, and made for a brook which is now called Nantithwi, and there she halted and began feeding. 
and Gwydion came up under the tree and looked what it might be that the sow was feeding on. And there he saw that she was eating putrid flesh and vermin. Then he looked up to see the top of the tree, and as he looked up he beheld the top of the tree an eagle. And when the eagle shook itself, there fell vermin and putrid flesh from it. And there the sow devoured, and it seemed to him that the eagle was Lu, and he sang an angling. Oak that grows between the two banks, darkened is the sky and hill. Shall I not tell him by his wounds that this is Lu? Upon this the eagle came down until he reached the centre of the tree, and Gwydion sang another angling. Oak that grows in upland ground, it is not wetted by this rain, hast it not been drenched. By nine scores tempest it bears in its branches, Luluf Griffiths. Then the eagle came down until he was on the lowest branch of the tree, and thereupon this England did Gwydion sing. Oak that grows beneath the steep, stately and majestic in its aspect. Shall I not speak it, that Luth will come to my lap? And the eagle came down upon Gwydion's knee, and Gwydion struck him with his magic wand. So he returned to his own form. No one ever saw a more piteous sight, for he was nothing but skin and bone. Then he went unto Cerdathiel, and there were brought unto him good physicians that were in Gwynedd, and before the end of the year he was quite healed. Lord, said he unto Math, son of the Mathonri, it is full time now that I have retribution of him by whom I have suffered all this woe. Truly, said Math, he will never be able to maintain himself in possession of which is thy right. Well, said Luf, the sooner I have my right, the better shall I be pleased. Then they called together the hold of Gwynedd and set forth to Ardudwy. And Gwydion went on before and proceeded to Mary Castell, and when Bludwed heard that he was coming, she took her maidens with her and she fled to the mountain, and they passed through the river Kinvale and went towards a court that was there upon the mountain, and through fear they could not proceed except with their faces looking backwards, so that unawares they fell into the lake. And they were all drowned except Bludwed herself, and her Gwydion overtook, and he said unto her, I will not slay thee, but I will do unto thee worse than that, for I will turn thee into a bird, and because of the shame thou hast done unto Luflok with us, thou shalt never show thy face in the light of day henceforth, and that through fear of all other birds, for it shall be their nature to attack thee, and to chase thee from wheresoever they may find thee, and thou shalt not lose thy name, but shalt always be called Bludwid. Now Bludwed is an owl in the language of this present time, and for this reason is the owl hateful unto all birds, and even now the owl is called Bludwed. Then Gwanrir Pedri withdrew unto Penlin, and he dispatched then an embassy, and the messengers he sent asked Lothlothgrithus if he could take land or domain or gold or silver for the injury he had received. I will not. By my confession to heaven, said he, behold, this is the least that I will accept from him, that he come to the spot where I was when he wounded me with the dart, and that I stand where he did, and that with the dart I take my aim at him, and this is the very least that I will accept. And then this was told unto Gwanri Pedri. Verily said he is it needful for me to do thus my faithful warriors and my household and my foster brothers is there not one among you who will stand the blow on my steed 
There is not, verily, answered they, and because of their refusal to suffer one stroke for their lord, they are all called the third disloyal tribe, even unto this day. Well, said he, I will meet it. Then they too went forth to the banks of the river Kinvale, and Gwanwy stood in the place where Luthlof Griffiths was when he struck him, and Luth in the place where Gwanwy was. Then said Gwanwy Pedrier unto Luth, Since it was through the wiles of a woman that I did unto thee as I have done, I adjure thee by heaven to let me place between me and the blow the slab thou seest yonder on the river bank. Verily, said Luth, I will not refuse thee this. Ah, said he, may heaven reward thee. So Gwanwy took the slab and placed it between him and the blow. Then Luth flung the dart at him, and it pierced the slab, and went through Gwanwy likewise, so that it pierced through his back, and thus Gwanwy Pedrier slain. And there is still the slab on the bank of the river Kenville, in Ardidwy, having the hole through it, and therefore is it even now called Lech Gwanwy. A second time did Luth Lorgathus take possession of the land, and prosperly did he govern it, and as the story relates, he was lord after this over Gwyneth, and thus ends this portion of the Mabinogion. And there we have it, the fourth branch of the Mabinogion. Uh, I am right, it is the longest branch of the Mabinogion, as it kind of contains a few little stories interwoven and kind of connected through the story of Math, um, and then through uh, Luthlorth Gwythian. No, Luth Lofgwith Giffith. Sorry, I won't get the name right. Or maybe not. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, but yeah, he kind of goes on a bit of a bit of a rampage after he kind of proves that someone had lost their virginity. Um, yeah. Aaron Rod uh, dropped a baby. Baby was hidden. Baby was tried to return to her. She didn't like it. Didn't like being proved that she, she wasn't a virgin. She wasn't a maiden, so to say. Uh, and so she... she cursed him a few times and they broke the curse because people are clever and have magic uh, and then we have all the weirdness at the beginning where effectively brothers stole someone's footrest, married her uh, Math then married the footrest uh, he then turned the brothers into some uh, animals and then the the, the, the the brothers had three three babies of different animals who then got turned into humans and then they got turned back to humans themselves and seemed to not really bother about the punishment that they've been given. Like, yeah, yeah, cool. No, we'll work for you again, Math. No, it's all good. It's all good. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird roundabout story, but it's... it's I, I quite like the fourth branch. It's quite fun. But, yeah, so this is going to... It's, it's a bit of a long episode today. I'm not going to go into, too, into any more detail about the discussion of it. I'm just trying to get myself back into doing these things again. It's been far too long. I do enjoy do, do enjoy this little podcast of my three listeners that I have. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that that wonderful story and me just absolutely butchering names throughout the entirety 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 of it. Can't even speak now. We shall be back soon. Hopefully, I'm hopefully going to do some history on Heidelberg, the place where I'm living in the university that I'm at now. Um, then we'll have another of the Celtic seasons coming up with Fiona, if we remember to do that. I am in the usual places on Twitter, mainly like once a month I'll post something on Twitter or when these things come out. Um, or you can find me probably over on YouTube soon doing some uh, RPGs because my internet here is not exactly amazing. I'm not sure how the streaming is going to work. We're going to give it a go, but we'll see. 
there might be some RPGs coming up soon um, but yeah um, everybody I hope you're all enjoying the heat uh, and the wonderful tale of people turning into animals in weird ways so all that is remained for me to say is goodbye my friends <laughs>